You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Welcome to A Step Further, the weekly podcast of Kingsway Christian Church. My name is Andy Lynch, Connections Pastor here at Kingsway. We're joined by Lead Pastor Matt Nickerson to go deeper into the flood, into Genesis 6 through 9. Uh, over the next two weeks, we hope to dive more as we, we just kind of touch the surface. Uh, Matt, how much do you love getting on stage and saying, hey, here, here's a quick bite and I have nothing else to say to you. I do, but I can't. <laughs> you just love toying with us, don't you? I, I didn't ask your permission to say this, but you know, we're recording this ahead of the sermon. And so it helps me feel freer on Sunday, the Sunday when yeah. I actually preach the sermon. I get, it. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> Behind the curtain, right? In the podcast yeah, room. Yeah. Well, we're, we're going to start with uh, Genesis 9 uh, and really the effects of a, a worldwide flood on the planet. And, and just before we dive into that, uh, in my men's group this week, we were talking about life before TV. I mean, life living hundreds and hundreds of years, life, you know, before ketchup packets, like we can't even <laughs> can't fathom, fathom w- what it meant to live back in Noah's time. So yesterday I was hungry and uh, we had just had our life group and somebody brought our vegetable tray and they left it all at our house. And so my wife had broken down a little zip bags. And last night we're watching a movie and I'm like, I could eat chips, but that wouldn't be the smart decision. So I went and grabbed two of these bags of vegetables and a little ranch dip which probably made it not healthy, right? I should eat the chips from like Burger <laughs> King or something. Anyway, I, next thing I know, I ate all of them from yeah. this little dip. And you think about it, if you wanted vegetables, you weren't just going to go pull it out of a fridge, right? And you weren't going to grab a ranch dip. You weren't just going to sit and watch a movie. What would the world have looked like? Hmm. And and then a flood comes. And then a flood comes. <laughs> so what, what do we do with that? And, and how would it affect? I mean, we, we learn a little bit in Genesis about how it did affect the animals in particular. Yeah. Yeah. So let's unpack this just a little bit. So let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter nine. And uh, the very first verse is important, but I won't spend time on it for our conversation today. But it says, then God blessed Noah and his son saying to him, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. And the whole point to that little verse is it takes you all the way back. We are now looking at a new creation. So if you remember in the Genesis story, um, the first thing that's fruitful is the trees and they are, they're fruitful and they multiply. And then Adam and Eve come along and the same thing, be fruitful and multiply. And then And all of a sudden we're told uh, here in this very passage, the blessing is now on you. It was on Adam and Eve, your great, 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 whatever greats it is, ancestors. But now the blessing is for you. You're the new Adam and Eve. You and your family repopulate the earth and go. So it's important because it's like a new creation. Hmm. Years ago, um, my friend Rick Sudsbury and I, Rick Sudsbury uh, spent, I don't know, 30, 40 years in the Avon community having a counseling center for families. And towards the last, whatever, 10, 20 years or so of his ministry, it was primarily with people who'd been through trauma. Mm. And uh, so I spent some time with Rick studying um, adoption stuff that I just didn't, nobody had ever taught me about. And uh, super, super cool. But Rick and I decided we were going to write a book together. And we never finished the book because of me. <laughs> but here's what I did with the book. It was fascinating. I just found it the other day and I read it. I'm like, this is good stuff. I should finish this someday. Huh. Anyway, so what I did is I started writing a theoretical story. What would it have looked like in the garden before sin ever entered the picture? Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying not to be graphic. I'm trying to be appropriate. You got this naked guy, naked girl running around. And right. but what is it like when when Adam looks at Eve and never once are any of his thoughts inappropriate? Mm. They're only about her beauty and her majesty. And what is it like for the animals? You know, I, I, I imagined my story this this lion, and all of a sudden I build it up like there's this tense moment, and the lion walks by, but like all of a sudden the the, the lion is playing with Adam mm. like a dog yeah. would play because there's no reason to assume anything else. There's no 
fear in the story. Right. And you may go, well, what do you mean there's no fear in the story? See, we've only known a world where there's fear. Mm. And here we go. Genesis chapter nine, mm. verse two. The fear and dread of you will fall on all the beasts of the earth, on all the birds in the sky, on every creature that moves along the ground, and on all the fish in the sea. They are given into your hands. Mm. Now you think about that for a minute. So before the flood, there was no fear between man and animal. Wow. I, I, I don't know what that looks like or feels like. I've never been in that world. It right? makes sense how they got them on the ark then. <laughs> I mean, obviously there's a supernatural thing, right? right. They're showing up in prayer in pairs. Right. Like, hey, I'm supposed to be somewhere. Where do you want me to go? But you know, what What would it look like? It, what if there was a world? This is totally conjecture, but sure. it does make sense. What if there was a world where, what if the animals maybe helped Noah build an ark? Wow. Right? Like what, yeah. you know, what if you didn't have to wrangle? I just read the other day that an elephant got mad at his owner. I think it was in India because the owner had been overworking him and abusing him. And he literally tore the owner in two. Wow. That's a bad day for that guy. I'm, I'm not sure how that worked out, but I'm not thinking he survived that. I didn't actually read the article. I was fascinated by the topic and moved on. Okay, but what would it be look like hmm. for, for humans and animals to have this partnership together where the animal is never overworked because the human looks out for the animal, hmm. but the animal sees it as part of its role in life to partner with the human. Wow. I don't, to me, I find that as an absolutely fascinating thing. That tells me something. The post-flood world looks radically different than the pre-flood world. And I don't know that we fully know all the implications of that. Right. Is this when they started eating, eating animals? I, what do you think? I would imagine. Were, were they still on the ark? Was this the first buffet? <laughs> Let's go back in, guys. It's you want to know what happened to dinosaurs, by the way. I mean, there, there's a good few months worth of food. I'm just kidding. All right. So uh, Genesis chapter nine, verse three. Yeah. Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. Mm. Just as I gave you the green plants. I now give you everything. Yeah. So this would lead some, again, I want to be careful. I speak when the Bible speaks. I'm silent when the Bible is right, silent. Right. So there's some of this that we imply. It looks like this is what's happening here, right? But it looks like prior to this moment, people didn't eat animals. Okay. I can't say that emphatically, but th that verse seems to imply that, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. So prior to this, people ate a vegetable diet. And maybe, maybe a rice diet. I don't know. Whatever <laughs> plants existed uh, pre-flood. So their diet would have been uh, vegan. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Right. I'm going to get in trouble here. I don't know. <laughs> but now God is saying, I'm now giving you the animals as well. Mm. And so meat eating was God's idea, just to be clear. Praise God. Uh, no offense to my vegetarian listeners. But this was God's idea for, okay, now in this new post-flood world. I remember I was talking to my Old Testament professor about some of these concepts. And this is just a couple of years ago through Messenger and going back and forth. And he said, Matt, I have a sneaky suspicion that Adam and Eve were far bigger and stronger than we realized. Really? I said, what do you, what do you mean? I don't think he meant bigger, like necessarily like six feet, eight feet tall, kind of bigger. It was more the impression of more robust. Okay. Like they were much hardier okay. than we can fathom today. Hmm. But the world looked different, right? Yeah. You think about for just a minute, what are all the impacts of a flood? Like there were no weeds in the original garden, right? So there's no roots 
in the ground. In fact, we're told prior to the flood that the water came up from the ground because no rain had fallen on the earth first. If that is to be taken literally, then that means the flood was the first time the earth had ever seen rain. So roots coming up from the ground are seeking water. But if all the water for the plant life came up from the ground in that that season of world history, then there wouldn't be roots. So you think about when you walk in your backyard, you're probably tripping all over stubbing your toes because of all the things out there but there wasn't anything like that so the body would have needed different things than what we need today to survive i don't know if that's making any sense so then when you start to process that backwards and you go wow what would the flood world and pre-flood world have even looked like it is a mind-boggling thing yeah even the animals have you been to the ark in kentucky yeah yeah first time Last year, it's interesting, year. and and you get. To, I love the scale. You get to see how big the the boat was, and you can see how big the door was, and how the animals could actually fit in there. Really good stuff. But but what gets me is you got these made up animals, and and I just <laughs> I look at it and I'm like, I mean maybe, but we don't know. Right. But, but what you're saying is. The world before the flood, animals might not have needed different things than they needed after the flood. You know, we probably could do a whole podcast on this, but let me give you 30 seconds on this just to make everybody irritated, wet appetites the whole night. I'm good at this. Um, <laughs> I get paid to do this, I think. is uh, The difference between, say, macroevolution and microevolution. And um, the whole idea of uh, we see adaptation all over the place, all over the place. Right. Uh, there are reasons there's 300 different kinds of beetle or whatever it is in the world. I don't know what the accurate number it is today and keeps going up as we find new. But the whole idea that these animals have adapted to their environment over time, that's not evolution. It didn't become a different thing. It just modified. So even if, let's say, the first animal was some sort of ancient wolf that later became the domesticated dog that we know today, which is the argument that the Creation Museum and Ken Ham and the uh, Answers of Genesis are arguing, I, I could see an argument for that as to what exactly that animal looked like. I'm with you. I, I saw some of those animals at cages and went, I mean, it'd be fun. Could you imagine being in the brainstorming room like, right. hey, what do we want this thing to look like? <laughs> uh, that'd be fun. You know, it feels like every Marvel conversation you ever had. So anyway, um, I don't know that I'm helping or not helping, but <laughs> we know that they were divided according to their kind. Mm. And so whatever you're looking at today, mm. it's probably not what it looked like back then. And there were probably unicorns on the ark. Definitely. Did you know there are unicorns in the King James Bible? I did. I did refresh me. I've heard this. Why? Should, should, why did I even do this? Please Derek, are you going to edit this out? So there are, I, I can't remember, 20? I can't remember how many references there are to unicorn. And, uh, There's but 20? I, I, I might be saying that wrong. Uh, somebody fact check me. Google. Uh, Google. But the, the Latin word for rhinoceros is a unicornus. Okay. okay. All a unicorn means is one horn. And so they would refer to things like a rhino with as a unicorn okay. in, the, in the day of the King James. So you will literally find unicorns listed uh, throughout the Bible. And it has more to do with something like a rhinoceros, something with a single horn, not what you think of this mystical horse with a rainbow fart or whatever. Can I say that in a podcast? Anyway. PG-13. There's a bang somewhere. It's like... <laughs> Nine, nine verses. Nine verses. Unicorns. A couple less than 20. That's, that's maybe, a preacher count. How many people were there on Sunday, Eddie? Like 5,000? 7,000 at least. <laughs> okay, so I want to keep going with Genesis yes, 9 please. if we have time here. Okay, please. so yep. <laughs> please get off this subject. <laughs> Verse 4, but you must not eat meat that has l- its lifeblood in it. This is important because now what you're seeing is even though the post-flood world is going to be different, 
God has profound respect for the animal kingdom. Mm. It's his. It belongs to him. So he's saying, I'm giving you the animals to eat, but you can't eat it while the, the life is in it. So this could be a couple of things. It could be scientific, right? We know that if you eat raw meat, your body isn't adapted to that. Mm. The lion's body is adapted to that. Right. The wolf's body is adapted to that. The human body, you're going to get sick and get parasites and viruses and all kinds of things, bacteria. That's going to be bad for you. It's not going to go well. Mm. But there's also, this is about respect. This is about honor between the two, which is why we later get an Old Testament law about not eating um, uh, the cheese like and the meat at the same time, right? You can't eat, I can't remember what it is. You can't eat the meat and cook it in the mother's milk. It's like, that is just completely disrespectful. You're going to kill the mom's baby and you're going to cook, you know, use her milk to cook it. That's not okay. Well, what, why, does, why does anybody care? Because that has to do with respect mm. for kingdom life, for all kingdom. Yes, I'm giving it to you, but I'm giving it to you. And you need to remember that you are to honor it and respect it. It isn't yours. It belongs to God. Mm. So keep going because this gets even better. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. Mm. I will demand an account from every animal mm. and from each human being too. I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. Whoever sheds human blood by human hand shall their blood be shed. For the image of God has God made mankind. And so, again, this is fascinating because this is now even for the animals, right? Yeah. So even if an animal kills human life, you take that animal's life, which we do, by the way. If a bear gets comfortable eating humans, we try to track that bear down and kill it. And we, we say it's because we don't want an animal out there who has a taste for human blood. Like right. we're at the top of the food chain. It's our job to keep everything in its place. Well, actually, if you put it in biblical context, it's because humans are made in the image of God. Humans are separate. Okay, so there's an implication to that too now. So it, let me, get, this gets a big conversation. I'm going to try to do it quickly. But we as humans, we are more important than the animals. So anything, any belief system out there that compromises on the value of human life, we as Christians ought to challenge. We ought to stand against it very lovingly, very graciously and say that is not God's view of the world. We want to stand with God's view of the world. But also as, as humans, we have a responsibility for God's creation. So any system or belief or, or worldview that um, it treats the animal kingdom as not important, not relevant, it doesn't matter what we do, environmentally, it doesn't matter what we do, Christians ought to reject that as well. Yeah. And we can draw that right out of these passages. Wow. So part of the reason I wanted to have this conversation is I want to teach our people and those who listen about how to have a biblical worldview. See, we, we are told today that we have to fall in one of two political mm, camps, right? right? You, you're either pro nature or you're pro human being. And the scriptures say, Hey, there's a priority here. Yeah. Humans are more important than animals, but I have given you the responsibility to care for animals. And we see it right here. So we live with this tension of, Hey, always humans first, but that doesn't mean animals, animal kingdom creation isn't important. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. it does. Okay. So that's why I wanted to have this conversation. Well, why now do you think mm -hmm. God said, now you can eat the animals now? They're going to, I mean, he, he put in the defense for the animals too and said, they'll be fearful of you. So they're not just walking up to you saying, take a bite. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like they came to the ark, <laughs> me and my wife, we're here for dinner. <laughs> exactly. Literally. But why, why now do you think? Is, I, do we know? I, I don't know that we know, but in this book that I started hypothesizing, mm. um, I, I, the, specifically the word fear is used there. 
in the Genesis 9 passage. Now the uh, animal kingdom okay. will be afraid of you. Yeah. I think, for one, something so radically has changed from the flood. So just going back for a second, this is an entire conversation. You brought up the Creation Museum. A worldwide cataclysmic flood, it would so dramatically change geology, uh, microbes, I mean, you name it, everything, everything, that it's hard for us to even wrap our heads around what it would have looked like. Mm. But obviously, fear is now a significant thing. And I think in part, whatever exactly the creation story looked like before this, man had the same responsibility to care for animals, but the animals weren't afraid of them. Right. And so perhaps the flood was going to leave the environment much harsher Mm. than it was beforehand. And so I think maybe God is just saying, hey, it's your job to manage this thing, but just realize there's a change in the dynamics. And perhaps he's preparing Noah. You know, from now on, they are going to be afraid of you and you're still going to have to care for them. But the caring is going to be a whole lot different. They're not going to trust you and they might even eat you. It might even be dangerous. Mm -hmm. So some of it could be preparatory. I think your question was more about why now? Why the change? Uh, I I don't know that I know, except for here's one thought I have read. And if you are out there and you're listening, and you know, I'm wrong, then just give me a lot of grace and and feel free to send me an article. I'd be fascinated by it. But I have read that people who are true uh, vegans, they have struggled to get protein. They struggle to get enough protein to meet their needs. And there's all this debate and conversation, and you can read about it. People argue all the time about this. They fight all the time. But if you're going to be a strong person, it is almost impossible to get enough protein from plant life. You need meat in order to get the proteins you need, whether it's fish or chicken or beef. We could debate that all day long, but you need meat. And so perhaps there's something we don't understand that God knew Mm. because he's the creator. Hey, it's going to be a hard world now. Yeah. everything has changed. You're going to need protein. Interesting. And I'm so glad he did. Thank you, Jesus. I know. Chicken wings. So, okay, let me just say one last thing. So <laughs> if you go to Isaiah and it's it's looking forward to heaven and it, it talks about one day the lion is going to lay down with a lamb. Mm-hmm. Um, a little, you know, a little boy will stick his hand in a hole and have no fear of the Adler, a snake, right? And the whole idea is maybe, maybe some have hypothesized, maybe there will be animals in heaven. Mm -hmm. And what would it be like? Because all these pictures are showing us again, a a pre-flood creation where animals aren't even afraid of each other, right? Right. Could you imagine a lion or lamb being best friends? Um, Maybe there's a day that's coming one day, Mm -hmm. right? Where fear is removed again from the world. And so whether it's human to animal, if there is such a thing or animal to animal, all of a sudden there's no fear in the world. Wow. I mean, you think we could do a whole podcast on the way fear runs our lives. Right, right. But I think that's what this passage is introducing to us. We are now in a world where fear is a part of everyday life. Interesting. Everything is different because of the flood. When we yeah. uh, return next week, we'll, we'll dive more into Genesis as we talk about uh, some very giant people.